0: This is episode nine of the sudden wealth podcast brought to you by suddenwealthprotectionlaw.com, a proud provider of proven effective legal strategies for preventing your kids from blowing their inheritance and for helping you if you're dealing with a financial windfall. Now, to see if you qualify for the strongest, most comprehensive wealth protection available, just visit suddenwealthprotectionlaw.com and sign up to talk to an attorney. And please do that after you listen to this episode, because you'll love what you're about to hear. Now, at Sudden Wealth Protection Law, we know that you want your heirs to have the same work ethic and drive that you do. And if you have recently had a financial windfall, such as an inheritance, you want to make good choices and to feel understood. In order for that to happen, you need guidance that you can trust and the support of a community of people who understand you. The problem when it comes to getting professional help in this area is that you have no guarantee that someone who advertises as helping people with sudden wealth or sudden money, that they actually have any real experience or or real knowledge. Now we believe that everyone deserves competent, professional help when it comes to protecting, managing and growing your personal wealth. We understand what it's like to be the target of greed, jealousy and resentment just because you have some money. I personally inherited $14 million from my father and blew most of it because, well, the only people who seemed to care about my emotional needs turned out to be con artists. And, you know, so obviously I'm not sure how much they really cared about my emotional needs, but they sure put on a good front. Uh, So they won my trust and I lost millions as a result. Now, although Sudden Wealth is central to our discussion, we'll also be exploring other fascinating and important topics such as the psychology of money, business succession planning, managing a business, and finding advisors that you can trust, just to name a few. In this episode, you'll learn three key insights that I believe are critical to protecting your wealth and setting yourself and your family up for long-term success. First, we talk about why a holistic approach to estate planning and transition planning is important in this area. Then second, we go into the importance of mindset surrounding your business if you want to pass it down to the next generation and and how that attitude, your attitude as an owner, will affect your plans for the future. And then third, we discuss how understanding that family legacy plans are more than just paperwork and how this type of wealth transfer is more nuanced than just basic measurable results like was probate avoided or were taxes reduced there's more to it if you want to successfully transition wealth to the next generation and have it actually work and have the next generation be successful and so on anyway lean forward and listen carefully okay because this episode could have a significant impact on your future financial success Michael, you were suggesting that we talk about how we would go about meeting with a family who's wanting to do estate planning. And do you want to explain kind of what your thoughts were? Well, I think that, you know, rather than, and
1: this is just a, a point, rather than saying we do estate planning, if we were to say that we help families transfer assets to the next generation, that's a bigger picture. I'll ask for Alex, does that sound like a bigger picture to you, Alex? Yeah. Yeah planning is just one piece of it, right? Yeah. We discussed, if I'm going to restructure the business, and now I understand what you were saying, our in-house business attorney can get all the documents in place that will allow for the restructuring of the business, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So if if we look at it that way, then it becomes a different kind of process. And what we will then be saying is very, very different than what you go you go out there. Oh, I do estate planning, I do financial planning. We're talking about transferring assets and legacy.
2: Yeah, generational wealth transfer.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Family wealth transfer. I right and legacy. I mean, that's probably
1: because that is yeah. part
0: of it. Well, wealth, I think, looking more holistically, not just the money, but values. Yeah, are- A family part of
1: a family's wealth is their reputation, right?
0: Right.
2: And their beliefs and their traditions and you know their Ideas for future structure, for sure.
0: Yeah, the correct way to cook a turkey for Thanksgiving, all of that.
2: Oh, and that varies drastically between families.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know the the re, the
1: reality is is that kind of stuff. You see, you 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 see all these movies about people going home for the holidays, right. and if they had guns with them, they'd wind up with no one walking out. <laughs> you know, because a lot of times holidays do have a tradition and as people get married they're bringing in and, and modifying that huh. and you have to be open to that right
0: right that's absolutely
1: ways it, it sound, i mean it, it, i think it's a good point that, you know how you make the turkey really is important so to speak <laughs> right and right. who carves it
2: and i mean honestly like the blending of traditions and of values is i think something that families don't often like talk about or think about when you've got a couple that's getting married that's not a conversation that happens very often, at least not in my experience. And I think that like having a serious kind of idea of what your expectations are and what, you know, you, what you're willing to kind of like fold into a new tradition is important because yeah, there are these like legacy wealthy generational families that, you know, have traditions that have been passed down for an extremely long time, but you have to also take into account the fact that when you bring people in, those are going to change a little bit. and. Sure. I think it's important to like remember that when you're talking to a family that, you know, yes, you want X, Y, and Z to be transferred forward, but how can you also look at the traditions that are being brought in and like incorporate those?
1: Yeah. I had a friend that, as I mentioned previously, married into a wealthy family. And one of the things he had to do, it wasn't, would you like to? They mm-hmm. said, you will sit on the board of one of our charitable trusts. Because we want you to understand how this family functions and be an integral part of that. Your ideas and your thoughts are important and you will go to the meetings, et cetera, et cetera. That was a value and it it, it was a requirement.
2: I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's automatically like, okay, you're part of the team. So you get to be part of the team. (laughs) I mean, he sits
1: on for what them is a very small trust fund.
2: But still, you know, having I mean, that, inclusion, you know, I think, is a great way to make somebody feel like part of your family and part of your unit.
1: Right. And, and there is an expectation of doing the work. So if someone, he sits on a fund that that does environmental, looks at environmental proposals, and basically they'll get a proposal and they'll say, okay, we're meeting in three weeks and we expect your input. So you can't just pretend to have read it. You better have read it.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a serious, which I think, as
0: you, like you said, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it makes sense. So this podcast is more geared towards families with businesses. Well, not necessarily. Okay, here, let me ask you, Michael, how you envision this. So I'm basically the kind of technician, the estate planning attorney. I also have a background in family wealth advising, which is more like mapping out family relationships and where there's conflict and how to get around that and everything. But I'm not a social worker. And honestly, I don't get a whole lot of joy out of pretending to be a social worker, so, I, my law firm would be still more involved in the technical aspect of writing trust and documents and, mm-hmm. and putting special language in, not just a general trust, because there, there's no such thing as a generic trust. I mean, a trust is going to say something, and it's either, it's either going to say something or not say something, and a lot of times what it does not say is really important or really crucial. So, meaning, like, how are differences resolved? Are the financial advisors included as advisors to the trust so that that part of it, so that there's continuity, so that the parents' advisors are automatically going to be the Advisors for the next generation, unless they go through certain protocols to remove those advisors and appoint new advisors and that kind of thing. So that's kind of the technical aspect. And then you and I were talking, Michael, about some of the other things that are missing. So do you want to talk about that? Well, to go back, I mean, to, to make a comment around
1: social workers, it is called psychoanalysis. So there is an analysis, and I think as you mentioned, mapping out the family, when you're done with your picture, You've done an analysis of how they communicate with each other. What are the lines of communication? I mean, do they, if they're adult, let's assume they're even growing up, there's no reason. If you want to bring up a child that you want running your business in the future, you need them to learn how to make decisions, right? So maybe the family sits down and says, okay, today we just had dinner. We have three choices for dessert. Let's take a vote. So you're showing them that even at a young age that, that there is a way of doing that kind of thing versus other families that say here's dessert mm-hmm. they, and you know not one isn't good or bad but if you're going to have someone run a business in the future you're better off teaching those skills really young. I mean I thought of a family I sort of worked with and and the person was getting ready wanted to leave but none of his children had any interest at all. And I asked him, well, when they were young, what was going on? And I, I knew one of his children. And that child had told me, the child was my age. He was, the man was of older than me. And the child basically said, well, my father would come home from work. He would say, God, what a lousy place to work. I work with a bunch of idiots. I can't stand it. Well, by the time I was a teenager and he said, hey, why don't you come to work for the summer? You know, I'd rather go shovel out a barn. So. That's what he was taught. So part of the analysis, shall we say, is looking at, but not necessarily getting into analysis, but simply saying to the father, this is what you did. This is the way you came home. That's the impression you have. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, imagine, you know, someone wants to ask me, when do you start preparing the next generation? And I say the day you open the business. If you come home with a positive attitude, oh, we really had a tough day but we're going to solve problems. This is what we're going to do. That's a very different way of looking at the exact same situation. So
2: how would you go about assisting a family who was in that situation, who like, you know, the kids had heard through, you know, their father's, mothers, whatever career that the business that they were hopefully going to inherit someday was a terrible place to work or you know the the attitude of the business owner was just not great when it came to their how it was portrayed to their children how would you try to since obviously the the kids are adults in this scenario how would you go about kind of helping them to see that maybe the business is not terrible or you know it is worth trying to be a part of and like sort of helping that dynamic
1: we sat down at a short meeting and after 20 minutes uh We got on the phone looking for a business broker. The reality is, none of them were interested. Mm Pushed two of them into it, and they would have taken it right down the tubes. So, we decided it made more sense to bring in a business broker. If he needed professional management for a while, do it to increase the value of the business and sell it. Mm. So, poison the well, but that's okay. But then you've got the money, and this is where Paul, you'd come in. How do you then take those assets? and pass them on and maybe that's where the teaching comes in you tell these adults if you want to start a business
0: start a business you really want to be in
1: and you now know how not to come home right
0: listen that's that's really deep and the idea of well the the negativity that's uh, (laughs) a it's something that I struggle with okay so as a lawyer I'm supposed to always look at what's wrong and. Then as a family member, as a father, I'm trying to, or, and a spouse, I'm trying to be positive so that I don't poison the well and drive everyone away. And as a business owner, anyone listening to this who's a business owner realizes that it's not all perfect every day. I mean, there's there's a lot of grunt work. And yeah, it's, that's it. So in order to change it, I mean, okay, so right now, here, I'll just, I'll, kind of expose my situation. I'm working with a coach right now for me to to learn how to be more positive. And it's it's not a quick fix. It's, it has nothing to do with a legal document. It has nothing to do with Michael coming in and having a 20-minute talk or something like that. It's a process and so this is all really tied together. And I think the reason that most estate planning law firms focus on just the legal documents is much easier that way. you can measure it. And then what they really advertise is that they're preventing probate. And that's easy to, it's easy to measure either when the person dies, either you did or did not prevent probate. And they can also work on avoiding taxes or minimizing taxes. And that's also easily calculated. The attorney or the CPA can measure what the taxes would have been before the legal documents and what they were after the legal documents. You know, is it good or bad? You can measure it. How good was it? And you you can come up with a number. But in terms of the the degree of negativity and how excited the kids are to go into the family business, I mean, there's no way to measure that. So you have no baseline. And so lawyers don't touch it. Okay, fair enough. So this is a podcast. So the people listening could not see michael's face right there but so what michael was doing is he was giving a face like yes you can actually measure yes okay you can give a quiz to people how likely are you on a scale of one to ten to do this or that or something but i guess my point is that it's it's more difficult and that's why uh, lawyers traditionally focus on the real ease the easily understood things so yeah, go ahead michael
1: yeah, And I agree with you. I think that as someone who has done accounting work, et cetera, or even, you know, you even start getting fuzzy when you get into market, but, but going back to how do you measure, can you, you know, if let's just say the, the father comes home, he's had a bad day at work and he, the kids run up, oh, I've really had a bad day at work. And he says to the seven-year-old, it's no different than some days when you're at school, it's not fun and you come home upset, but that doesn't mean school is bad. hmm I mean, you know, it's okay to be upset, but you got to, you know, how do you, then you, the kid goes, oh yeah, you're right. You know, yesterday I didn't have a good day at school because I, you know, I did whatever. And is it harder to measure? It's different to measure. Part of it is, is that if I have, if my tax rate before the paperwork is 23.7, my tax rate afterwards is 21.6, I saved a certain percentage, as long as they don't change the tax laws on you. Okay. Whereas how well does the family communicate? All I can really do is ask them at the beginning on, like you said, on a scale of one to whatever, one to seven, how well does the family communicate and get the information and then measure that again later? Is it as accurate? No, but you can still conclude things got better. And I realize it's softer, but if I have enough data and if we're working with families for a long period of time that the generation, let's say we start working with as a certain kind of communication style. And because we've worked with them and it comes from time, I'm not going to be here. You know, you you may be here for the next generation to come in the community. Well, the fact that they're willing to come in tells you the story. Sure. And the fact that it's, you know, I don't think that transfer of a business is any, it's way more difficult than the transfer of dollars. Of course. Difficult. Of course. There's so many other issues going on. And at the same time, though, there's a need for the, shall we say, the mathematical precision of the analysis of analyzing a the certain parts of the estate plan. But what if the estate plan reads, my son can only get dollars if they come in and do X in the business? Then it starts getting squishier, right? And a lot of attorneys don't
0: like writing those kind of plans, do they? Well, sure. I haven't seen what you just talked about. I've seen where the parent and the one child already have an agreement that the child is going to be part of the business and wants that. And then there's then there's just the issue of, well, okay, so the business is worth this. And the only other things are there's a house and, and some investment accounts. Mm-hmm. And so how do you divide that equally? Yeah. But, well, which can
1: sometimes be difficult anyway, right? I right. Mean, does equal mean? But to give you an example, my brother's, it wasn't his father-in-law, it was his wife's stepfather. So it's not quite father-in-law. He was a fairly well-to-do guy. He made prefab housing, Wanted always told his son he was going to bring him into the business, brings him into the business. The son, the way the old man ran the company, it was in Oklahoma, it was a savings and loan. When the savings and loans went under. A Tulsa bank wanted to buy the savings and loan, but he knew they would not give the employees favorable terms so they could buy houses, et cetera. He bought the bank. Mm. He wanted to make sure his employees could get the services they needed. So a son comes into the business, is there a few weeks, treats people like garbage. Mm -hmm. Says to the son, son, I will pay you your money. Your job is to stay home he just didn't want him around. And, you know, why was he like that compared? Who knows? I mean, some some of it you can't undo, but at that point, how do you undo it?
0: Yeah, I, I think the real point here is that this is more challenging and more complicated than just having some documents. And so this is why successful family wealth transfer, especially with a business, has to happen over a period of time. It, there has to be a process to it.
2: And so, there has to be, like, some sort of like emotional intelligence in all of it too, because if you're not aware of the effect that you're having on the people around you and your family, it's going to make it that much harder to come to some sort of agreement on how everything should go going forward. And that's emotional intelligence can be a really challenging thing to like, try to tell people about and explain and help them understand and, you know, grow into. So I think, yeah,
1: that makes sense. Yeah but I think what you said and this is probably the difference you know Paul that my when I've come in contact and work with people who do estate planning the it's a relatively short process the only thing that you do is every year you may review it there may be some tax law changes the guy got divorced he had another child he went and bought another piece of property but those how those changes don't take very long whereas this the doing it And even with money, even if all you're transferring is money, what does fair and equitable mean? I mean, my parents were, they believed everyone would get the exact same thing. I remember being at a birthday, my birthday, my brother's birthday, about, his is the 26th, mine is the 8th, what's that, 12 days apart, 10 days of, you know, January, February. So we were at his house before he left for Texas and he gets a birthday card and a check. And my mother goes, aren't aren't you going to open? He said, why? I already know what I've got. They would always get the exact same thing because they didn't want us to be treated differently. But the reality is, sometimes children's needs are different. If you have a child that has special issues, developmental issues, they they're going to need different kind of care, right? Of course. So that may be different. If you've got a, a child that's having issues with substance abuse, you may not want to give just hand them money. You know. So what what does fair mean? Because one of the things that is common in businesses being handed down is it goes to the oldest son, who may not be the most competent person to run it, and they may not even want it. Right. So, and that's, where you know, looking, and yeah,
0: those are longer term issues. Yeah. things. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think that was a good talk. Good talk. Let's wrap it up for today. Okay. So let's do a quick review of the insights that we discovered in this episode. First, we talked about why a holistic approach to estate planning and transition planning is important, and we talked about legacy and family dynamics and traditions and things that usually go beyond what most estate planning attorneys or CPAs talk about. Second. We went into the importance of mindset surrounding your business if you want to pass it down to the next generation and how having a bad mindset or a negative attitude about your business can kind of poison the well sometimes and make it so your kids don't want to get involved with the business. And then third, we talked about understanding that family legacy plans are more than just paperwork and how this type of wealth transfer is more nuanced than just the basic measurable results that are usually touted or advertised, like avoiding probate, have a trust so you can avoid probate. And yeah, so to, to set your family up for long-term results, you need to aim a little bit higher than simply avoiding probate, for example. So let's do another review. Before we end this episode, Would you please go to suddenwealthprotectionlaw.com forward slash iTunes and type in your biggest takeaway or aha moment that you experienced during this episode? You can do that now in the reviews section, and when you do it, iTunes will ask you to rate this episode, and I sure hope that we earned five stars from you. Have we? Well, I hope so. So go ahead, declare your one big takeaway in the iTunes reviews section by visiting suddenwealthprotectionlaw.com forward slash iTunes. It'll take three minutes out of your day, and what you declare could provide you with a lifetime of learning. So, that does it for this week. I am attorney Paul DeLowry, and I hope that our paths cross again next week for a Sudden Wealth podcast, the show dedicated to helping you understand the psychology of money so that you can better protect, manage, and grow your money both now and for future generations. Okay, so do whatever it takes to join me next week, because we'll be talking about a book by Anne Perry called The Wise Inheritor, A Guide to Managing, Investing, and Enjoying Your Inheritance. I encourage you to bring a friend or a study buddy, and I can't wait to connect with you then. Okay? All good wishes.